AG1 is a comprehensive and convenient blend of over 70 high quality ingredients. And what that means is each morning when I wake up, before I do anything else, I drink AG1 to set me up for the day. It keeps me clear headed, full of energy and focused on whatever I need to do, like writing the fighting cock, for example. One scoop once a day before breakfast and that's it. I've actually found that I've not been needing coffee in the morning to get me started. I've still been drinking coffee because I love coffee, but it's not because it's like a necessity to do so. AG1 is made out of the highest quality ingredients subject to the strictest manufacturing standards. AG1 is NSF certified for sport and this process involves exhaustive testing and verification that every serving of AG1 is exactly what you see on the label. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs for your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock. That's drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock to get started and to help the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great day and enjoy the show. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Cock. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Cock. A camel Hello and welcome to the Fighting Cock podcast. A very special one because I'm joined by Nima from Itta Footpod. Italian football podcast. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Not as not as uh, not as good as you because your team Inter Milan are in the Champions League final. Yeah, they are, and I know that uh, Spurs have had a largely disappointing season. Oh yes, diplomatically. Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's uh, no. I mean, it's you know, I, I think everything that happened with Antonio Conte and the way that that deteriorated and Mr. Levy once again proving in my opinion that in terms of business I think he's fantastic but when it comes to football he's clueless I mean um, no arguments here no arguments here at all <laughs> this is something we've been talking I mean I've been a big defender of Daniel Levy over many years but mm. I think it's clear now over the last three years that he needs to and I'm not going to go into it again but he needs to he needs to step away from the footballing operations. He needs a director of football like he had with Paratici, but yeah. obviously preferably not take one like Fabio Paratici, who is convicted and will be prosecuted for further crimes in Italy. What's, what, what, is, <laughs> what's, what is the um, opinion in, in Italy about Paratici? Did, that he's, in, that he's a clown. Because everybody's heard the... I mean, the, 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 the phone conversations that the police tapped yeah. when investigating Juventus... They've, I mean, the things that have been made public, everyone's laughing at them. Yeah, at him, and and it's like, you shouldn't be a criminal, but if you're going to be one, then maybe be a bit smarter. Yeah, don't sit on the phone and boast about, pretty much admitting to everything under the sun except for the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> I mean, he just sat there going on and on and on, basically boasting about how he was the sporting director of four clubs and did three different leagues, and how he was doing all this stuff, and if they ever, I mean, it's just. Crazy, oh. crazy, crazy. I mean, it's frustrating as Spurs fans because he was like one of the, the positive things to, to happen yeah. to Tottenham over the last few he years. He really was. But, you know, bringing over Kulisic. He really was. And, and, and I know that he was. And the funny thing about that is that in, in Italy, he's considered a, a, a very incompetent. Wow. And the fact that he was a positive thing in Spurs, I think that kind of tells the mess. That is that right? Is that how he's viewed? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, wow. he is. Funny. My, my colleague on the Italian football podcast says that Fabio Paratici couldn't even sell life jackets on the Titanic. Wow, um, I didn't realize his yeah. reputation was that bad. That is yeah. crazy. No, I mean he screwed up big time. Like yeah, Google, but he. It wasn't just the, the the stuff that they were investigated for. It was also the stuff you know everything around the club. They can uh, still be relegated, right? No, no, no. That's uh, that's been the cause of a big you know discussion in Italy that you know they kind of did the old 
as I call it, the old Italian okie doke in the yeah. sense that <laughs> they kicked up a big fuss about something that wasn't as big, which was the capital gains, and they got a, maybe a little bit too harsh punished for that. Yeah. And then the big one, the whopper, the salary maneuver, they plea bargained and swept that under the rug, uh, which is the most classic Italian okie doke. But at least, I mean, in, com- in comparison to the Premier League, who does nothing, and UEFA, who does nothing mm. with Man City and PSG, at least they did something. Yeah. Which just goes to show how corrupt football is all over Europe. Serie A, I mean, I've got a history of going after Juve, but also in, in La Liga as well. They're not allowing Real Madrid and Barcelona to operate in the way that they previously have done and, and and they're now having to balance their books to some degree but you're right in the Premier League there has been absolutely well no no one has been held to account yet I know there's there's, there's an ongoing investigation with Manchester City's that God knows how long which that's is going to take five years and yeah. by the time that I mean it's they're, they're investigating from 2009 to 2018 mm. and this is and that's just the, that's just the, 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 the parts they've chosen they should really be going on after that but they're not doing that um, and so this is going to take years, and it's of course Man City are are dragging their feet uh, illegally, trying to push this, you know, drag it out as long as possible until the point that it doesn't make sense to prosecute it anymore. Yeah. Um, and of course, Mr. Guardiola sits on press conferences and says that let's get on with it, and nobody in the British media has the testicular fortitude to ask him any critical questions. Well, also, uh, which also, is pathetic. Yeah, yeah. Also, he's he's saying let's get on with it, but it's his own club that. Are- well, that's what I mean. That's what yeah, I mean. Yeah. When he, he he can sit there and lie, and and he, which he does on a regular basis for the last nine years, week in week out, and nobody questions him. Nobody holds him account. Instead, the only the, the critical questions he's get is, "Hey Pep, good game that, eh?" Yeah. I mean, that, that's not journalism. Well, that's fanboy. This is this is a uh, this is a country in terms of Sky Sports that celebrated years and years and years of Roman Abramovich's work with Chelsea. And the only journalist, really, that was that was on national TV that was able to properly question what where he got his money and how he operated was a guy called Matthew Saeed, mm. who um, who essentially made one appearance on Sky Sports and was never asked back because he was well, asking difficult questions. Of course, they yes. don't do journalism. None of them do. They do they do access journalism, which isn't really journalism. And, no. and journalism is supposed to be asking critical, difficult questions and and have an adversary. I mean, journalism in and of itself should be adversarial to to power that's that's pretty much the whole purpose of journalism and we don't have that anymore in any aspect of public life not just in britain but everywhere it's essentially just echo chambers and you know stenographers for the status quo and and it's sad because i think now more than ever there's a there's a need for it I completely agree with you, and I could talk to you about this all day. Yeah, but we must talk about but something. Let's get to it. Yeah, yeah, let's get to it. Yeah, I feel we could talk about this all day. Destiny Adogi's um, signed for Spurs. He got loaned back to Udinese last season. Can I mean we're quite excited about him. We're not yeah, sure. Be. Really, tell, tell me about him. What, what's his What's his reputation like currently? In uh, when we interviewed him about a year ago, at the time, he was the only teenager who was regularly like, racking up minutes in the Serie A, um, and he was doing an excellent. He was having a really good season last season. Uh, he's had it did decent to good season, not as good as last season. But I think that's also got to do with the fact that when you have a breakout season, the following season is always the most difficult one because Serie A is so tactically uh, good that defenders and coaches r- study you and how to you know disturb your game and to get you off your game. And he's he's been he's he's kind of been the victim of that, but he's done actually impressively well that considering I think the Sotil the coach Andrea Sotil uh, and how he plays has also helped him a lot he's also very uh, Udinese um, is a young coach who is is 
very highly rated and and we we expect big things from him um as for Udoji, no look he he's a very exciting player um the only thing is that i think in terms of position you know who's going to who's going to be the new spurs coach and how they play and so on indeed he is a wing back that's his position you have to if you're going to have him there you're going to have to have him as a back wing back yeah that is a worry because if it is postacoglu who's coming in it seems like he is he plays a 4-3-3 uh, we that's have the, a waste. We have the same issue with Poro on the right hand side, who isn't a fullback; he's a wingback. That's a waste. Yeah. That's a waste. If you're going to have those two players, you're going to have to bring a coach who plays a three, who plays with a back three and wingbacks, because those are the positions that these two players excel in. And I think that if if you if Spurs had maybe signed Poro in the summer, um, I think they would have. I think the problems with Conte would have been a bit less because he relies. You know that system is so reliant on a decent wingback. Mm. I mean, I think Postacoglu is the only one who's willing to come to us. So that's that's our issue. <laughs> uh, so, can you describe Adogi's <laughs> playing style and what makes him stand out? Uh, he's he's very complete, I'd say. Um, I think you know his crossing is great. He's he's good at running in, uh, you know, those runs from wing back, the fifth man kind of runs down the wing, and therefore I think he scores quite a bit as well. He's fairly good with both feet. I, I'd say he's pretty complete. To be honest, I don't think he's got much of a weakness. Um, I think he can, obviously, as a young player, he can improve on everything. Yeah. But if you ask me if he had any has any weaknesses, I think I, I would say nothing that that stands out. Obviously, improve everything. Of course, um, I'd say. What is it? What, what's what stands out about him though? In terms of you know, what what? Why did he catch the eye when he broke into the team? Because he was he was so young and played with such maturity, and you know the the talent was obvious for everyone to see. Uh, a young player who played in a very demanding position as a wing back and did so really well. I mean, usually you see wing backs the, the, what they struggle with is a positional phase. You know, when do they drop? When do they push up? But with Udoji, he was he was a natural from day one. Of course, as I say, this, it doesn't mean he's the finished product yet. Mm. But it was the level at which he started playing was so impressive um, that it really caught everyone's eye. So he just came uh, straight into the first team, and he was yeah. he was flying. Yeah, he was, and and I mean, it, this is Udinese. This is what they do. They are a machine in turn. They them and Atalanta are these assembly lines when it comes to delivering and producing fantastic talent in Italian football. And Empoli in recent years have become that as well, but not to the level of Udinese, who's been doing it for 20, 30 years, mm. and Atalanta for pretty much that same same amount of period as well. So you mentioned about him playing a, as, as a wing-back. Has he ever played in a back four as a left-back? He has, but not very. But it's not where he does well. And he's also played, they played in the central midfield at times as well, uh, when, when called upon. But, you know, as he told us, that's not his position. He's a wingback. He sees himself as a wingback. He wants to play a wingback. And I think one of the biggest, the biggest shame, I think, for me, from an Italian football perspective, in Antonio Conte leaving Spurs, is that I so would have wanted Antonio Conte to coach Destiny Udoji. I think it would have been fantastic for Conte and for Udoji. I think they would have, he would have brought, get, gotten him to a complete, to the next step, I think. In 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 Italy, how uh, is Conte viewed? Is his time at Tottenham viewed as a, a mark on his career, or is is that they blame Tottenham and Daniel Levy for the failing? I think they blame Daniel Levy more than they blame Antonio Conte. I would say. Is that Conte's nationalism, though, or is it? Is it? No, it's because Conte's track record proves it. 
um, he's never failed anywhere. And for most people, his biggest achievement at Spurs, and personally, I'm one of them, I think one of his greatest achievements in his career was getting Tottenham to fourth spot last year with that team, who has no business being in the top four. I honestly don't think qualitatively that team was good enough to finish in the top four. And I think he overachieved massively um, in doing so. I think you can only you can only overachieve to a certain extent. At some point, you regress to the mean. The quality you have regresses to the mean, and I think that that that's what we saw this season. Yeah, uh, a little bit. Agreed. Um, well, and it's like it's it's not a dig on Tottenham as such. I just think that bringing Antonio Conte in and and you know telling him that because he's used to winning now. That's just the kind of guy he is. That's just the kind of career he has. He wants to win now, not in three, four, five years. And I think the for him, that ambition, the that they don't see eye to eye, I think that was a big cause of concern. Mm. And I think that's what made it so toxic. And and I don't and it doesn't seem to me, based on how he talked, that there was a good dialogue between himself and Levy. It wouldn't be the first manager to fall out with Daniel Levy and dialogue being an issue. I think um, <laughs> if you give any, if you give any manager, there's no manager under the sun that can do what Conte did with the defence that he had at his disposal. <laughs> I mean, we, we, our our defence is a, a lower half Premier League defence. I mean, I'm not uh, that, uh, Eric Dyer might get into somewhere like Everton, but he's got no no business really playing. At, I mean, he got with Matt Doherty. I mean, he's a championship player with all due respect. No, he is, I didn't yeah, even yeah. see him as a Premier League player. And he had, he had a purple he, patch under under Conte. He was like, yeah, this, he's got exactly. hack. where's this come from? Where's this player come from? Huh? But this is the thing that Conte does. I mean, if you look at, you know, he, he won three Serie A titles with Simone Padoin and, and Giaccherini and these very limited players. I mean, he got the, the worst Italy national team side in my lifetime, probably ever. Uh, qualitatively to a quarter final against you know beating Spain and, and and losing on penalties against Germany, who you know he got Graziano Pelle, Eder, Candreva, Giaccherini, all these very limited players to play some fantastic football. They outplayed Spain in that game, mm. and that was a good Spain side in the Euros. I mean, to me, one of his, some of his greatest achievements, I think, getting Spurs to the top four, that Italy side to the quarter final. Given the, the the quality available to, to him, I think those were those were fantastic. Those some of his greatest work, some of his greatest work. Okay, back to Udoji then. Is it a doji or a doji? Udoji. Your destiny, Udoji. Udoji, because he's of Nigerian descent. Um, we he he told us, and he's never he's never really been to Nigeria since he was a kid. And mm. uh, but he wants to play for Italy. He was very clear about that when we interviewed him. He said he wants to. He feels Italian. You know, he, he wants to represent Italy at, at senior level. And I hope to God that he is soon integrated into the Italian national team because I think he's a fantastic I was going to ask, how, how far away is he based on... Well, here's the thing. Italy have an have abundance of talent on certain positions and then nothing in certain. The striker <laughs> position is, is a problem. The midfield, they're spoilt for choice, the central midfield. And on wing-back, there's a lot of talent as well. Um and so they're a little bit spoiled for choice at left wing back, uh, not as much on the right. But then again, Di Lorenzo, they don't really play with a back three. And if Di Lorenzo plays, uh, you know, he's such an intelligent player that he can play as a full back, wing back, whatever you want him to do. Mm. The Napoli captain. But yeah, it's they're a little bit spoiled for choice on left wing back. But I don't care. I think Udoji needs to be integrated as soon as possible into the first team setup. Um, 
does he did he have any sort of standout performances where you just thought wow this kid's special he's, he's good we already know this but yeah is there any performances where that it, not so much this season but last season there were a couple of games i think the game where you know controversially the goal against milan i thought, I thought it was really good in that game overall but obviously that was mad you know because of your know, diddy score you know, there was controversy surrounding that goal but against the big sides especially i think he last season especially he really stepped up and showed what a player he is and how talented he is mm. Um, and, and has he shown any sort of failings in coping with the pressure of first-team football? No, just completely... not at all. Not at all. He's that's the thing that struck, stroke, you know, that struck, struck me the most when we interviewed him is the maturity, the very the relaxed attitude, the kind of he's doesn't he's very down to earth, knows who he is, what he is, what he needs to work on, what he needs to improve on. None of this superstar nonsense, but also very doesn't make it bigger in his head than it needs to be you know he knows like where he is he knows he believes in himself without being cocky um and he's he strikes me as someone who relishes the challenge he likes challenges he takes it in his stride he takes mm -hmm. it the right way which i think is really important um to be able to cope mentally the mental the aspect of it is really important the fee is uh 17 million euros as I understand it, is that a fair price? Have we overpaid or underpaid? It's hard to tell. I think you underpaid a little bit, if I'm perfectly honest. I was surprised last season when you got the deal over the line um, because I thought that, well, Udinese should probably usually like to hang on a little bit and then cash in big. But of course, last year was still, you know, they were, you know, reeling the effects of COVID Italian football a lot. And so maybe they felt that they needed that, you know, they'd rather just cash in now. And, you know, 17 million in the bank is 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 better than zero, I guess. So that's how they looked at it. But I think they under, I think Tottenham got, got away, got us quite a steal here. I think he'll be worth a double in no time. Maybe there's some sort of sell on, sell on uh, clause. There, or... there usually is with Udinese. I'm not aware of it, but I'm sure there is. Yeah. And also you have to remember he was kind of, they will get the, you know, because of him being so young and coming up the youth ranks there, and they they they're they're entitled to to lots to, to money anyway, when when a player moves. So, oh, they're 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 a very well run club, Udinese. Very well run. Um, is there any other players that you might compare him to in the Premier League or elsewhere? Is it <sighs> for those that haven't seen him? Is that a difficult question? I really don't like doing these comparisons and I'll tell you why. Because they get completely blown out of proportion and taken out of context. I'll give you an example. When Cesare Casadei was signed by Chelsea a year ago, we did on the pod, um, on the uh, we spoke about him and, and I said that he has traits yeah. that, that, are, that remind me of Frank Lampard. And the British, some people, some stupid people in the British press oh, took that as saying... The new Frank Lampard. He's the new Frank Lampard. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I'm like, <laughs> no, he, I didn't say that. I really didn't say that. I would never say something as stupid as that because Cesare Casabe had up until that point not played a second of first team football, of senior team football. He'd only excelled at junior level, like mm. a youth team level. So it's frustrating. So I'm not going to, I'm going to stay away from that. Fair enough. You don't want to get burnt. I, yeah, it... I'm not doing that. No, because I know that it's regardless of what I say. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I'm yeah, gonna, yeah. So, <laughs> so, so stay away from that. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, what, is there anything about him that you think he might struggle with in the in terms of the Premier League and adapting? Because it's obviously it's a different style of football to Italy. Yeah, it's physical, very physical, and the physicality I'm not worried about. Yeah, but I am worried about 
in Italian football, the level of for what is a free kick and what isn't is is they give free kicks much more often than they do in in, in the Premier League. Right. That's an aspect that he has to adapt to, I think, more than anything. The physicality, the the technical side, the stamina, the intensity, he will have no problems with that. Yeah. It'll take some time to adapt, of course, but I don't think there'll be any big problems. I think that the issue will be how hard he is challenged and, 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 and that he won't get free kicks when he usually gets free kicks. Um, because I think English referees, I mean, you can argue it as much as you want, you know, the different football cultures have different levels. That's fine. Um, but I feel sometimes that English referees are nowhere near as good as the quality of the players in the Premier League. I and... think, I think you, you won't find many people arguing with that. I think it's definitely <laughs> dropped off for sure. And, and I, I don't think they're very good at reading the game. I don't understand how they make some of the choices and decisions they make despite having technology at their at their disposal. Yeah. It's they're they're not let's let's let me put it this way. I don't think Premier League referees are of Premier League level. <laughs> let's put it that way. What what was the reaction to Anthony Taylor's performance against Roma? Uh, well, they were Roma and no, well, Roma were fuming. I saw they? that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, um, and and some and I'd say fans took it too far at the of course, airport. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Attacking his family was despicable. Yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely vile and despicable and silly. Um, but I. I got to be honest with you. For me, the scandal weren't the, wasn't the the penalties. I, I I think you know I was watching the game on Sky Sport Italia, and they were they thought it wasn't a penalty either because if you look at the the replay they had from behind, the ball hit his uh, hit his arm not when he was at his side but behind him, which makes it not in an unnatural position, and he didn't make it body unnaturally bigger. Yeah, and there was no intent. So I think I think the penalty calls were correct. I think the not sending Eric Lamella off was insane. He should have been sent off. He had no business being on the pitch. So, I mean, especially if you're going to keep that level and send, give, give that many yellow cards, mm. then you have to be consistent. And I think that is the problem, the lack of consistency uh, with Anthony Taylor. And, and referees in general, but especially Premier League refs, I think some of them are just unbelievably inconsistent. Yeah, there is like a, there was like a directive at the start of the season to let play go a lot. So you do a lot of what would previously have been considered a free kick this season seems to be a let go. They want the pace of the game to be yeah. up. That's which, great. That's fine. That's yeah, fine. Well, I was just saying, like Adogi, is he used to be drawing fouls? Is that one of his attributes? Yes, he. They will. They will go at him because he's he can dribble. He's he's technical. He's good with both feet. Like I said, he can shoot and score with both feet. He's good in the air. Um, he he's he's a troublemaker. Like he he causes defensive problems uh, individually, but also in a system. And I think. I think he's raring to go mm. now and prove himself in the Premier League. Again, I really hoped that Antonio Conte was still there for for Spurs' sake and for him, for his. Because I think this this summer, if those players that you are signing are, are really coming, I think they would have suited Antonio Conte's style really well. I think he will have you will have a team for Antonio Conte, but you won't have Antonio Conte there to guide it. Yeah, well, I know, I know. I mean, it's this is uh, it's been a frustrating. This seems season. to be a recurring theme with Spurs, isn't it? Mate, I don't. I, I'm so. I've never felt. I've never felt more disillusioned as, as a Spurs fan as I do at the moment. I'm trying to stay positive, and obviously, what, what else can you do? Because I can't control what happens no. or what Daniel Levy does. But the frustrations are an all-time high. I think I've, it's so funny because every single Spurs fan, Spurs fan I know, when I'm in contact with, saying the exact same thing. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I was talking to friends of mine. Like, a friend of mine's a Queens Park Rangers fan, and he's like, "What are you moaning about? Imagine being us." But 
we're in like a mini league of the biggest clubs in inverted commas in the Premier League. Mm. And we're bottom of that league all the time. And we never yeah. win. You know, we never get over the line. So that's where the frustration comes. And you got to... For me, one of the things that I found so mind-boggling is sacking Mourinho before a cup final. Oh, I don't man. understand what the point of that was. Who don't? Who knows? No one understands, apart from Daniel Levy and, and not even Jose Mourinho, because he talked about it, didn't he? He sounded like, I don't yeah, understand. Furious. I was taken... I was a, the, the only club he's never fallen in love with is Tottenham Hotspur. Not that Spurs fans have much time or United fans have much time for Mourinho, but... The, the, the proof is in the pudding that the managers that are serial winners elsewhere cannot do it at Tottenham. Because... That's what I was going to say. Like, at some point, maybe, you know, it's not everyone else, but it, maybe it's me kind of thing. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> of course it's us. And we don't know why. And the only, the only, th the only thing you can point at is Daniel Levy. It's the only no, way... No, it is him. He, he's a fantastic business. Of business course. Yeah, that, no. I mean, I think what he's done with the stadium and, and turning it into this, I think he's understood what football is in terms of it's a... It's, it's a Football is entertainment. You're in the entertainment business. Of course. Yeah. And the stadium is an entertainment venue. And I think what he understands is that except for the third, you know, 19 games in the Premier League and however many in the FA Cup and League Cup and, and Europe, the stadium is empty on almost 300 days a year. Yeah which is an entertainment venue just to sit there. You need to fill that up with different entertainments, yeah. with different events. And I think that he understands that. And I think that's clever. That's smart. And that brings people into the community. And that brings money into the community and the club, which the club can then use. I think that is a very smart way of doing it. However, he knows nothing of football. He doesn't understand how to build a winning football project. He just doesn't. Evidently. Evidently. I mean, I think the best thing he could have done is hire a director of football, hire a sporting director, give them the budget, and say, "This is it." I mean, this is what I want you to do. Just to be sort of to be fair to him, I think he is trying. He's trying to step away. We brought in Scott Munn, who's now the chief footballing operator. He thought Paratici was there to run the run the, the football and side. And he would have been if he <laughs> hadn't been convicted a crook. of crimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if you saw this list. Forbes released the list of the 10 most profitable, not the most revenue, but the most profitable sports franchises in the world. And Tottenham turn over a bigger profit than any other football club in the world yeah. they're doing it the right way without financial doping and i think that's commendable i think you know the, the model that they've got is 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 i think it's admirable they don't pull up a lot of debt they don't they don't do financial doping no i think that's how you should do things i think that's that should be commended we just need to start winning on the pitch as, yeah. as well that's the most important thing and sometimes it doesn't feel like that anyway um how, how does he contribute uh defensively adoji I think that was that's an aspect of his game that he even feels that he can improve on, mm. which is normal for a lad. You know, he's a young lad, so you know, and, and then he likes to attack, and that's his strength. But I, I think that's the aspect that he feels to himself. He told us that he feels he could improve the most. Um, I think m routine and an experience is the biggest key here. I think the more experience he gets, the more he'll improve because he's intelligent. Uh, he is a very intelligent player. He understands football. He reads the game really well. I think um, Perisic, when he came from Inter, um, on the ball, around the box, deadly. Unbelievable. 11 assists this season. Uh, incredible return. But defensively, uh, he struggled at times. And I wonder if the style of play meant that, or, or maybe the style that Tottenham play or the way the football is played in the Premier League that his defensive aspects of his game he struggled with. And I wondered if Adoji might suffer a similar fate. Yeah, I think Perisic came, I think the Perisic situation, because he worked so well at Inter, and he was used to, Inter played a different way, um, and had much more of the ball, and were much more attacking. Mm. 
and I think with with Perisic, um, they controlled the tempo and dictated the Inter's midfield controls the tempo and the passing. Inter one of the most safest passers in all Europe, their midfield, and I think that aspect of it made it easier for Perisic to play and be as good as he was. However, uh, he was defensively incredibly solid uh, for Inter as well. Really? Uh, I mean. The I don't know how many goals we saw him thwart with making these seventy-yard r- dashes down, you know, running back to to, to help out in defence. Um, he's a physic physically what he's done to his body after Bayern Munich with the dietist, the nutritionist, and the training regime he's got. He's a specimen, Perisic. He is unbelievable. They even I remember Inter Bastoni and these other players they were talking about how you know when he was at inter they were speaking to him about you know how what a, what a fantastic physical specimen he was and then he said i would love to do that but i can't eat the way he does i mean he eats just this the way that he eats <laughs> it's just you know this this much tuna and this much that like it's so rigidly precise. Contr- precise and you know they said no i can't i couldn't eat like that i, I would go crazy like <laughs> i'd be depressed and and he is he's a super professional i think he suffered because of tottenham not clicking the way that Conte wanted it to click. Yeah, 100%. Um, 100%. But I think if you keep him, if you keep him, Perisic, as as far as mentors go, I've seen Ivan Perisic mentor players really well and get get them to take the next step. What he did with Denzel Dumfries, uh, what he's done with, you know, at Inter to several younger players and other players was just fantastic. And I think if Destiny Udoji were to come there, I couldn't think of a better mentor than Ivan Perisic. Seriously, on and off the pitch, Perisic is a super professional. Yeah, I think if he wants to stay, there's there's no chance that that it would force him out. And like you say, he's a he's a professional, and and just on the ball, he's he's both his feet are yeah, it's a two wands basically. That's what I think that dude. I mean, if you were to compare him to someone, I think in the attacking phase, he is like Perisic a lot. He can beat his man. He's very both feet. He can score with both feet, mm. and he's good in the air. I think the attacking side, if I were to compare him, I'd say when Perisic, when he was at his absolute best, they there are similarities there. But no, but no. Is there similar. any chance you can give us Bastoni? We need defenders. Big no, time. no, no. Sure? I'm sorry, well, I'm sorry, but if you're going to have to pay the price, I mean, this is something that that you guys uh, that, that people don't understand about. You know, they, they read these headlines and in, in tabloids about Inter being in financial trouble and not understanding what those troubles are and then think, oh, well, we can lowball them. That's just not how it works. Yeah. And Inter aren't that club. That That, is, Inter, that is exactly yeah. how they're seen, like the way, the way fans speak. Yeah. And, and I don't blame the fans because the way that the British media talks about these things is so superficial and shallow and often very wrong. Mm. But they build a lot of, you know, fans only read what they're what they what's out there and when you have the biggest megaphones pumping out misinformation and nonsense and lies well then that's what's going to be regurgitated Indeed. uh in, you know at inter it's very simple if you pay what inter want you can have an inter player how much if you don't cost? pay it yeah i mean he's he's, he's the, i mean they value him at 80 90 million like they're not gonna and he wants to stay as well he's been very clear about that yeah um even when when we had conte it wasn't didn't ever feel lightly all right then if not him can we have barella no no. same thing there same (laughs) thing there yeah pay 100 million pounds and we can talk about it okay i mean i mean no but seriously like that's that that's just you know and also you have to understand these guys they play in a champions league champions league every year they're in the champions league final win it 
they could even win it. They've won five trophies with Inter just in the last three years. They won the Euros with Italy. They're they're serial winners. They want to win. Yeah, don't uh, come to Spurs then. <laughs> Sorry, you said it, not me. So I don't get hate. <laughs> no, you're fine. No, we, we, we know what we are. I think by now. No, I think yeah, of course you are. I mean, most fans are not deluded about. No, no. Okay. Yeah, so finally, do you what? What's your if you had to predict? You know, the next three years for uh, a Doji, then what? What do you foresee? Could he be a success at Tottenham? Do you, Do you think he yeah. will be? Or do you think it will, it might come at somewhere else? Or what's your prediction? I think it hinges on who the next manager is. If mm. you're going to bring someone in who plays with a back four, there's a problem there. There's yeah. going to be a big problem there. Um, and I think he could. We could see him leave soon. Then, but it's if you playing. bring someone in, who, yeah, uh, return back to Italy on a loan or something um, to someone who plays with a back three. Um, but I, so I think that could be a problem. But then again, we could be all wrong, and I could be just completely wrong and he turns out to be a fantastic winger and I don't know whoever takes over plays a 4-3-3 and he becomes a world class uh, yeah. <laughs> world class winger or or if you there's also that possibility that you play with a back four but the right back becomes you know when you're attacking you go into a back three like inverts yeah so that's also a possibility, maybe. Yeah, Ryan Mason's been doing been doing that a bit, and um, with Porro and 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 Emerson Royale and Mourinho actually when he started he had that yeah he, he played a, a sort of inverted left fullback when. Yeah. when anyway, that's fantastic. Thank you very much, Nima. Um, if they want to find you on Twitter, what's your Twitter at? Will he... Oh, my personal one yeah. is at Nima T A V R O D. Uh, Nima Tavrud, and if you want to follow the Italian Football Podcast, it's at Itafootpod on all social media platforms. We uh, will obviously include that in the description for the podcast. Cheers. We're also going to link your interview with Destiny from, like you said, a year ago. It was fascinating. Yeah, about a year ago at this time. Yeah, yeah so it was a, a, fasc- a fascinating um, listen and watch, so check it out. Thank you very much. Yeah, he speaks good English as well, so there won't be any problems adapting to the language. That's yeah. Sure. What is it, what, just quickly before we end, what is his temperament like? I mean, what in terms of his personality, how, how, how likely is it that there will be any issues at all? Just no, I, I think he. Look from my 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 from my perspective, having dealt with him and just having that conversation and seeing him on the pitch week in week out for two two three years, it's there. I don't think there'll be a problem mm. at all. He seems very he's very down to earth kind of guy. But then again, the Premier League in London is a different animal. You know, Udin is a small city, small place moving from Udine to London and being a superstar Premier League footballer and the attention and the sheer money and fame that comes with that is is it's, it's a lot to handle for young people it's a lot to handle for young players and young young guys and i think it's impossible to to predict what could happen there but i think he has a good support system i think he has a good environment of people in, around him which is the most important thing uh, and to me, if I were to say anything and predict on how, I think it will go quite well because I think his football is too important for him to be distracted by other things. Nima, thank you so much. You're welcome. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Sports Social Podcast Network.